Welcome to the Rabbi Rabinowitz Podcast, hosted by the Jacksonville Colo 5780 edition. Welcome to a brand new year. Hopefully it will be a wonderful year for everyone. A year with all types of bracha and simcha. And we should all have wonderful things happen in our life. Right now we're in the time period known as the Aseres Yemei Teshuva. Aseres Yemei Teshuva is the 10 days of repentance. Now, it's a little bit confusing because there's 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, but it's not really as long as it sounds because the first two days are the first two days of Rosh Hashanah, and day number 10 is Yom Kippur itself, which gives us not too many days in between. Now, the most important thing to know about these 10 days is that it's really a last chance to do teshuva, to return to Hashem, repent, if you will, before Yom Kippur. Now, like we mentioned last time, it's a little bit tricky because the Gemara tells us, the Talmud teaches us that if you were, if you are a tzaddik, so then you immediately got written down in the Book of Life. If you are an evil person in Russia, then immediately you were put in the Book of Death. It's only the people that are in the middle that really need the 10 days of repentance. But nevertheless, we'll have to assume that we might need it, and uh, we don't want to, God forbid, think that we're in the book of death, and can we really be so sure that we made it into the book of life? So therefore, we all have to take these days very seriously. Interestingly, the way that the Rambam puts it is that if during these 10 days of repentance, somebody does teshuva, then they will um, merit to be put into the book of life. It doesn't actually say that in the Talmud. It, it makes the stipulation that you got to merit, you got to use the days appropriately, but it didn't say anything about doing teshuva. And many explain these words of Maimonides that what it means to say is that, yes, it's true that you could try to do other mitzvos during these 10 days and hope that that will tip the scale. But nevertheless, these days are days that are set aside. These days are days that are meant to do teshuva. So if you let these days pass, and you don't do teshuva, and you just let them uh, be like any other day, or maybe you do other mitzvahs, but you don't try to correct the past, you don't try to fix things, so the... uh, the claim against you in heaven will be so great that it will be almost impossible to survive. Because Hashem would say, here I gave you these days, and it's always difficult to do teshuva. Nobody likes doing teshuva. But during these days, it's easier to do teshuva. And if we squander them, if we don't take advantage of the days, so then Hashem will say, I gave you these times, like we re- like we uh, read in the Haftarah and Sol Gedalia, Dirshu Hashem behimato kira'uhu biyoso karov, which means call out to Hashem when He can be found, or rather, search for Hashem when He can be found. Call out to Him when He is close. And the Talmud explains that that's referring to these days. It's easier to do Teshuvah. Hashem is here. And if we squander the opportunity, if we don't take advantage, then we've totally wasted it, and then we have no hope. So how do we do Teshuvah? How do we improve ourselves? So a person needs to figure out uh, an area where they can improve and come up with a battle plan, come up with some approach that they're going to use to decide this is how I'm going to 
improve. Now, of course, there's two categories. There's, category, there's a category called Bein Adam Lechavero, which means between people, and Bein Adam Lamakom, between a person and Hashem. Now, when it comes to Averus, when it comes to sins, Bein Adam Lamakom, so then a person needs to sit down, he needs to figure out, where can I improve? What can I do to become better? And uh, figure, out, figure out a plan. Now, the truth is that... Uh, Many people suggest that it's very important to not try to solve all of your problems in one shot. Because what's going to end up happening is that you're going to uh, be very inspired and say, I need to do all this, I'm going to jump into it. But then when push comes to shove, you're not actually going to do it, and then you're going to be left, unfortunately, with nothing. I remember a story that I had, it's a silly story, but... uh, I was uh, I was younger. I was uh, actually in high school, and I was trying to concentrate more when I davened Shmona Esrei. So I said I was going to make this commitment that while I was davening Shmona Esrei, I was going to concentrate on the words that I was saying, and uh, even if I had an itch, I wasn't going to scratch the itch because it's inappropriate. I'm davening now, and I just have to concentrate on what it is that I'm doing. And then, and then at that stage of my life, it probably was a good realistic type of commitment to make. Maybe a little bit uh, high, uh, high, a little bit of a high expectation, but still I think it's something that I could have done. And then I said to myself, well, you know what? Why should I ever be giving in to urges? I mean, it's so silly. Like, so I have an itch, just ignore the itch. You know what? I'm going to try to make a commitment that I'm always going to ignore itches and I'm never going to scratch them at all. Of course, that was totally unrealistic. And what ended up happening was that not only did I scratch my back, my arms, my legs, whatever, wherever it was that it itched during the course of the day, but even while I was davening, I was doing that also because my entire commitment had fallen through. So it's important to figure something out. It's important to figure something out, something which is not too large, but nevertheless, something which is uh, doable, attainable, Ideally, if it's something which is daily also, so that it will actually have a real tangible change in your life. But a person should sit down, figure out where he can improve, and take care of that. Try to fix things which he was doing until now, which are not good. And of course, when he says the vidui on Yom Kippur, so he'll find something, or one will find something that fits in to wherever it is that your problem is, and you'll feel bad about what it is that you're saying. You'll say a video, you'll confess what it is that you're saying, and ideally even commit to try your best to not do that anymore. However, no matter how much a person davens, and no matter how much a person cries, no matter how much a person confesses, that can only help on averos that are between a person and Hashem. However, averos that are between two people so Hashem cannot and will not forgive you. In order to achieve forgiveness, you need to talk to the actual person that you offended, the actual person that you hurt. So therefore, a person needs to go over and apologize and uh, explain why it is that they are sorry. It says in Shulchan Aruch that if, God forbid, the person is no longer alive, so they can't grant you forgiveness anymore, so then... This is not great, but at least second best is you're actually supposed to bring a minion, ten people, ten men, to the kever, to the grave, and then 
articulate in front of this minion exactly what it is that you did wrong, and then the assembled will say, Machulach, 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 which means you are forgiven, you are forgiven, you are forgiven, and hopefully they are speaking on behalf of the deceased, and in fact, you are forgiven. Now, I meant to say this before, the actual verbiage in the Talmud is that it says that the Benunim, those that are in the middle, they're Teluyim, which literally means that they're hanging and standing, which means that they're like waiting to see what's going to be until Yom Kippur comes. However, some suggest like this, that the feeling that a person is supposed to have is that he is hanging, hanging meaning a noose around the neck, a noose around the neck, but nevertheless still standing. Now, how could that be? So it was suggested like this, that in the olden days, maybe they still do this in some countries, when a person would be hanged, so... They would take him, they would stand him on a chair or a platform, the noose is around the neck, then they would kick out the chair, and then, God forbid, he would choke to death um, with just the noose around the neck. So, during these days, you're supposed to feel like we are hanging, but standing. In other words, the noose is already there around their neck, it's already tight. But we're not choking yet because we still have the platform, we still have the chair that we are standing on. And therefore we should understand the severity of the situation. We should say, if not now, when? And do whatever it is that we can to push ourselves to take advantage of the situation, but realize that this is a very serious situation. And in fact, the noose is there, and it's only going to get tighter. Now, what do we do during these 10 days? So, like I mentioned, of course, we do teshuva, but we also want to do whatever we can to try to show that we're taking these days seriously, that we improve. The slichos, those extra prayers that we say before davening, uh, has become even longer now. It's about an extra 10, 15 minutes longer than it was before Rosh Hashanah. We add to our davening, Avino Malkeinu, which is, uh, means our father, our king, and we have many, many lines that go again. Our Father and King, our King, please grant us for forgiveness. Our Father, our King, please write us in the Book of Life. Our Father, our King, and it just goes on and on and on. There's an old kids joke that they say, uh, "How many lines of Avinu Malkeinu? How many lines of Our Father, our King are there?" Okay, I ruined it. Let me try that again. How many Avinu Malkeinus are there? So you're like, I don't know. I have to sit there and count. And you count, you count, you count, you count. And the answer is just one, because we only have one Father, one King. Not that funny. Anyway, we add a vino malkenu to our davening during these, uh, during these 10 days of repentance. And of course, we have all these additions to the Shemona Esrei, which we also say the most important one is in the Brach of Atakadosh, where we say Baruch Hashem instead of Hakel Hakadosh, but we say Hamelech Hakadosh. The reason I say that is the most important is because if somebody would just daven like they do all year long, they would forget to say Hamelech Hakadosh. So then the halach is that they would have to repeat Shmona Esrei from the beginning. Usually, well, I shouldn't say usually, but the last number of years I've been very good about this, but uh, I have not been doing so well this year. And uh, I've had to start Shmona Esrei again from the beginning. So, I hope to improve and uh, be good for the rest of these uh, 10 days of repentance. But that's what it becomes the most important. Uh, I don't even know if I would call that kavana, having concentration during davening, as much as it is to just make sure that you say the correct words. Because if you say the incorrect words, then you're going to have to repeat Shmona Asrei from the beginning. There's another famous halacha uh, that we say during these 10 days of repentance, which is that there are certain 
I mean, obviously, a person should do his very best, his very best, to keep every single mitzvah to the best of his ability. But not only that, not only that, we want to show Hashem that we're going above and beyond. And therefore, there are even certain stringencies that we take upon ourselves. So, anything that shows how serious you're taking these days is good. However, interestingly, the Shulchan Aruch gives a suggestion, and the Shulchan Aruch says that all year long, so it would be nice if a person would only eat what's called pas Yisrael. Pas Yisrael means bread that was baked by a Jewish baker, or at the very least, even if the Jewish baker didn't bake it, but the Jew took a played a role in the baking of it, and he either, at the very least, actually turned on the fire or raised the fire, um, and therefore played a role in the baking of the bread. However, bread that was made in a factory, uh, mass-produced bread, if that's called pas palter, and pas palter is permitted, even though it is nice to be strict about this all year long, many people, most people, are not strict about it. However, during the 10 days of repentance, Shulchan Aruch rules that one should try to be strict about pas palter, um, and this would apply to not only bread, but other um items that are made out of flour that look somewhat similar to bread. Now, this is a big question. What in the world does that mean? Looking somewhat similar to bread. But when it comes to many snacks, we assume that it is a problem also. And uh, and therefore, this would apply to cakes and cookies and uh, all breads and the like. Uh, it seems that most people are lenient when it comes to cereals. But nevertheless, that is why you find that many people are very careful um, they, if they can't find bread that's pas Yisrael, then they'll end up eating matzah for lunch or something like that. And that's based on this idea that we want to show Hashem that we're taking this time seriously, and therefore we are prepared to go above and beyond. This coming Shabbos, the Shabbos that is during these 10 days of repentance, has a nickname. It's known as Shabbos Shuva. Now, Shuva comes from the same root as Tishuva, um, but the real reason why it's called Shabbos Shuvah is because the Haftarah that we say on this Shabbos starts out with the words Shuva Yisrael, um, the Navi urging the Jewish people to do Teshuvah. Um, during this Shabbos of Shabbos Shuvah, it's customary that the rabbi gets up and the rabbi gives a special, a special Shabbos Shuvah drasha, a special speech. Um, depending on the community, um, historically it was meant to be where the rabbi was uh, urging the people to do teshuva and uh, sometimes uh, giving them a hail and brimstone, telling them everything that they did wrong and why they have to do teshuva. Over the years, it's changed, and very often it's uh, different uh, halachos uh, that are either relevant to Yom Kippur, sometimes even relevant to to Sukkot, and then maybe at the end, just a little bit about teshuva. But nevertheless, this is the special speech called the Shabbos Shuvah Drasha. Very often it's done late in the afternoon, although there are some places where it's done in the morning in lieu of the sermon. Erev, Yom Kippur, the day before Yom Kippur, which this year is Tuesday. So there's actually a special mitzvah to eat, and the Talmud says that one that eats on Erev, Yom Kippur, and then fasts on Yom Kippur, they get credit as if they didn't stuff themselves and then fast, but they actually get special credit as if they have fasted for two days straight. Now, this is interesting. Why in the world there's a mitzvah for this? Some say that it's really Hashem showing His love to us. Because if you've got 
if you know that you have a fast day coming up, what are you going to do the day before the fast day? Of course, you're going to eat, eat, and eat. But nevertheless, Hashem gave us a mitzvah to eat. Like, that's a pretty easy one. We don't need a mitzvah to eat. Of course we're going to eat. It's a fast day coming up. But the answer is Hashem saying, you know what? I'm going to give you one just because I love you. So here you go. I'm going to give you a mitzvah to eat. Now, it's a very busy day. It's also a special day. It does have certain qualifications of like a mini Yom Tov to it. There is a we do have less slichos. The slichos in the morning are very short. We no longer say avinu malkeinu. We don't say tachnun during davening. All signs to show that it's a happy day. And uh, in fact, on Yom Kippur itself, we can't make a suda. But the Mishnah tells us, it says in the Talmud, that Yom Kippur is one of the happiest days in the calendar. And the reason for that is because we are actually having the privilege of having our sins Forgiven. So we can't celebrate with food on Yom Kippur itself, so therefore we have to do the celebration on Erev Yom Kippur. There is a custom to do kaparos on Erev Yom Kippur. Kaparos comes from the word kapar, which means atonement or forgiveness. There are different ways of doing it. The simplest way is to take money and wave it around your head and say the text which is printed in the Machzer, saying, Hashem, please let this be an atonement, and I'm going to take this money and I'm going to give it to Tzedakah. There is, however, an old custom to do kaparos with a chicken for a female, or a rooster for a male, and say that this chicken or rooster is going to be given to the poor, that they should have food to eat in order to be able to properly fast on Yom Kippur. They'll, all, they'll have a proper meal. So those people that do kaparos with a chicken or rooster, um, obviously you need a shochet that can then go and properly shecht the chicken or rooster for you. There's a common custom to go to the mikvah on Erev Yom Kippur. For many men, it's the one time of year that they actually do go to the mikvah. One could go other times also, but specifically on Erev Yom Kippur to go to the mikvah to purify oneself before the special, special day of Yom Kippur. We daven mincha early, and the reason why we daven, I guess the reason why we daven mincha early is because we add to the end of Shemona Esrei, it's a regular weekday mincha, but we add to the end of it the same vidui, that same confession, that we're going to be saying, oh Yom Kippur long, we say that Erev Yom Kippur also, at mincha. And the reason that's given is because there's a concern, which is, a person could be going, the whole Aseret Yimei Teshuvah, getting themselves ready for Yom Kippur, and then, as far-fetched as this may sound, they'll be sitting there eating the Seudas Hamafsekis, which means the last meal right before Yom Kippur begins, and uh, God forbid they'll choke and die, and then they'll never have had a chance to say the confession, and wouldn't that be terrible, because we get forgiven when we say the confession. So besides for the fact that they're not experiencing Yom Kippur, because they're dead, but they didn't even get a chance to properly confess. So therefore, before Yom Kippur even begins, we have an early mencha, in the afternoon, and at that mincha we go and we add the vidui, which, where we confess all of our sins. The meal is supposed to be a nice, elaborate meal, uh, a festive atmosphere, like I said, celebrating the fact that Yom Kippur is coming. It's appropriate to have candles lit, not with a bracha, a woman lights candles with a bracha before the beginning of Yom Kippur, but just, it's a way to show that it's a, like a Yom Tov atmosphere, a Yom Tov meal, that we go and we light candles at the meal, or we have candles lit on the table.
There is a custom to do give a special blessing to one's children at this meal or before one goes to Shul on Yom Kippur. Now, at the end, everything gets very rushed. And I can tell you from experience, the more children you have, the more time you need to uh, allocate. For that, there is a long text that one could say, or I guess a shorter text also, if you find that you're running out of time. During the meal, many people have a custom to eat kreplach. Kreplach are like wontons. It's a piece of like chopped meat covered with covered with dough. And uh, I don't know, this is the custom. There, there are a few reasons that are given for the custom. The Those that have this minute, uh, this custom of eating kreplach, so they do it three times a year. On Erev Yom Kippur, on the seventh day of Sukkot, Hoshana Rabbah, and also on Purim. So some say that uh, the word in Yiddish for chopped meat is gehaktafleisch, which means like banged meat. Which is the same idea, right? Chopped meat, banged meat. And there are three times a year that we bang. On Erev Yom Kippur, we bang our chest when we say the vidu, the confession. On Hoshana Rav, we take the Aravos and we bang them on the ground. And on Purim, every time they, we hear the name of Haman, we bang. So therefore, these three times a year that we bang, we have the banged, the chopped meat. Now, there's got to be something deeper to it than that. So, my father always explains that meat represents Yom Tov. Because there's an idea that specifically on Yom Tov, one should eat meat. Um, meat is connected with Simcha, with joy. And these days, these three days that I mentioned, Erev Yom Kippur, Hoshana Rabbah, and Purim, they are very, very lofty days, and they really are like especially Yom Tov. However, we're allowed to do work on those days. The more one can avoid it, the better, but as far as like the work, I mean like Shabbos-type work, turning on and off lights, driving, all of that is permitted. So as such, one doesn't necessarily notice how special these days are. One doesn't notice that it is, in fact, a Yom Tov. So the Yom Tov is hidden. So that's why we take the meat and we cover the meat with a piece of dough, because the meat represents Yom Tov, and we're showing that the Yom Tov is somewhat hidden, and that's why we cover the meat with the dough. I one time also heard an explanation that the meat is dark, which sort of represents our sins, and we believe that we're going to achieve forgiveness over the course of Yom Kippur, so therefore we take a, the white dough and we cover it with white to symbolize that our sins are being for, that our sins are being forgiven. Now that would also work well with Hoshana Rabbah, because uh, Hoshana Rabbah is considered to be the end of the whole tshuva season that started from Rosh Chodesh Elul through the whole month of Elul through Rosh Hashanah, ten days of repentance, and even on Sukkot itself, it's still considered to be somewhat of a time of repentance until the gates close on Hoshana Rabbah. So Hoshana Rabbah is still the last chance to do teshuva, and then Purim is also an appropriate time for teshuva because, as we know, the Jews heard that uh, there was this decree against them that they were going to die, and they fasted and they did teshuva for three days. So Purim represents that idea of teshuva. And interestingly enough, the Arizal says, or maybe it's the Zohar, that the full name of Yom Kippur is Yom Kippurim. That's the way it refers to it in the Torah, Yom Kippurim. Now the prefix kaf in Hebrew means like. So therefore Yom Kippurim would actually be a day like Purim. So that's telling you that as great as Yom Kippur is, and it's unbelievable, but it's like 
Purim. And the ultimate is Purim. So therefore, Purim definitely also has these aspects of tshuva to it. So that would be the reason why these three days are days that we have, or some have this custom of eating kreplach. Thank you so much for listening.